0: the trilogy podcast with vin and scott three movies two men one podcast one two three she's a real left winger cause been down south and held peasants in her arms she said i could tell you stories that
1: podcast is beginning. I've got some kind of purpose in my life. You know, then today was the first day that I woke up and I didn't feel sadness. What are you guys doing over there?
2: My name is Wabot. I'm an eight-year-old. Oh, forgive him. I'm Jane. I look over him. And the other 24 personalities inside of me.
1: It's a lot of people to have inside of you. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, Ladies and gentlemen,
3: we are the Trilogy Podcast, the only podcast in the universe devoted strictly to trilogies. No reboot, no straight to cable. We're bringing you facts, debate, trivia, and more. To hell with the movie, If They Made Four. That's what we always say, Scotty.
1: Yes, it is what we always say.
3: Yes, it is. And all of our alternate personalities here are to illustrate our newest trilogy today. Yes. And of course, that's going to be...
1: The Unbreakable Trilogy, also known as the East Rail 177 Trilogy.
3: But for the purposes of what we're doing today, we're going to call it the Unbreakable Trilogy. I think it's best known as the Unbreakable Trilogy. Um, M. Night Shyamalan, and that involves the films Unbreakable, Split, and Glass. And so that's why we're giving you the many different personas of this
1: podcast. All right. Speaking of different personas, we've got Phil here today Phil with us. is
3: joining us. Rejoice! If right. you've had splinters, you are
2: pure. I don't know. Is that not <laughs> right, I, Phil. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to understand the conceit. Trying to understand the The conceit.
3: idea is, of course, because this movie involves superheroes and a supernatural element, Phil is going to be joining us for this one. We thought it was a perfect combination. Thank you. I was so excited because
2: Unbreakable is my favorite M. Night Shyamalan movie. All right. And much like the East Rail Disaster... Uh, The other two's just quickly derail. As always, I am Vin.
3: And I'm Scott. So here we are, all right? And we're rocking into a new trilogy. And boys, I am excited. This is going to be a good one. Yes, I Uh, think so. Yeah, we haven't done this kind of trilogy in a while, a director's trilogy. It's really a unique one, too, all right? We've dealt so much in the past with superhero trilogies, but this is a completely different kind of trilogy. It's a superhero trilogy, not based on an original source. Scott, what do you always say about this trilogy?
1: I always said Unbreakable, and yeah, in a larger part, this trilogy uh, Unbreakable is a not a comic book movie, but a movie about comic books.
3: Right, and I think that's a great way of encapsulating exactly what this is.
1: Kind of reminds me of a, uh, I was just thinking of other comic bookish movies that were not based on comic books, and I always think of Darkman is okay, sort of like a superhero movie that's based on nothing. Nothing, I right? Yeah. I don't think there
3: was a comic. Book I think for Sam Dark Raimi Man. just made it up. Before we go any further. We should definitely jump into the definition of what kind of trilogy this is. We already alluded to it already, of course. Right. But naturally, we need Trilogy Bot. Calm down, Phil. I'm I'm
2: calm because I know you hate Trilogy Bot. I don't hate him. I just don't understand him. Well, Phil,
1: you look like you're going to turn into the beast right now. Yeah,
3: I'm I fine. I'm. I I'm, see a vein. Oh god. Oh god. Let's just get the Trilogy Bot.
1: All right. Unbreakable is a director's trilogy. These are usually declared a trilogy by the director and represent a group of three films, unrelated by plot, that are of a common theme or genre, which the director would like to be seen as a trilogy. They are also linked by that director's style, settings, and favorite actors. I'd also like to add that Phil can stick it up his ass.
3: Trilogy Bot is correct. As rude and disgusting as he is, he really makes a great point. This is a director's trilogy, but it's different than what we've done in the past. Because unlike the other director's trilogies we've done, this one does have a thin narrative thread. Doesn't need one, all right? Because for a director's trilogy, basically there just has to be a thematic connection or or a stylistic connection. That's what we've seen in the past that spring from the vision or authorship of a director. Ultimately, that th- that thematic connection is going to be, f- for this trilogy, exceptional humans, the idea of the modern-day superhero. So it- it's not like M. Night had to yeah. link-, link them together. And frankly, the split connection is really a tenuous one. It's yeah. just kind of thrown in there at the end. But it-, it didn't have to be there. It could really have just been three separate movies about... This kind of thing. Right. right. Sometimes they use the same actor, sometimes they don't. And most yeah. of the time, it's the director that determines whether it's a director's trilogy. He says, I'm putting these three films together to be a trilogy of how I feel about this one subject matter, right? Yeah. Uh, so I'm not going to go any further. We have a ton of things to unpack here with these films. So you know what? Let's jump right into the plots, Scotty. Yes. We'll go through those, and then we'll talk more about you know what, what this trilogy means and how it impacts the movie world. So yes. just jump right into it. I think there should be no fanfare. Just go right into it.
1: Ah, uh, uh, Scott, plot, just Scott, plot. It's a plot and it's Scott, and you're gonna not about the plot. It's Scott. <laughs> <laughs> that was upsetting. I was uh, very unprepared for this. That's okay. But that's the name of the game, isn't it?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's not like you don't always do a song before every single Scots it, Plots.
1: It's, it, I, I hate to ruin
3: the <laughs> illusion, everyone, but I do not prepare these
1: songs ahead of
3: time. I feel like you prepared a couple of them.
1: <laughs> one or two. This one you
3: clearly didn't.
1: No, nothing. Didn't right. even think about it. Do it, my friend. All right. So, of course, this is Scott's plots. What I do here is uh, I like to break down the plots for you with no character names, very like bare bones, no frills uh, descriptions of the movies. So in case you haven't seen them in a while, this kind of gives you a little bit of a refresher. And if you've never seen the movies and just like the dulcet sounds of our voices, then you can enjoy it as well and not be lost. All right. So we're going to start it all off, of course, with Unbreakable 2000 in Philadelphia. A sad man who was a star football player in college survives a horrific train crash that kills everyone else on board. The next day, he receives a note on his car windshield from a brittle-boned comic book expert (laughs) (laughs) who believes the sad man may be a superhero.
3: Every time Samuel L. starts pontificating about comic books, you're like... We just shut up already? He's like, in comic books, this is what happens. Yeah. And then this is what happens. It's so like, that's a rule. Uh, okay. okay. Like, uh, you know, most people this just... This is real life.
1: Right? Yeah, just Pal, read a, read a comic like you're book.
2: The, you're the only guy who picked up a fucking comic book in, your, in, in the room.
1: <sighs> the comic book expert's bones break very easily, and he believes that the sad man may be his opposite. The sad man dismisses the idea, claiming he was injured in a car accident with his wife that ended his football career but starts to be convinced when he realizes he's never been sick and can bench press over 350 pounds with the help of his sad son. I like how he keeps asking his wife, have, have I ever been sick before?
3: Do you remember me being sick? Shouldn't you know if you've been sick? Don't you right. have a recollection feels of like your he life? He has
2: a lack of agency and just kind of putters along in his life <laughs> until he realizes, oh yeah, I wasn't injured in that horrible car yeah, accident. Right. Like, it wasn't like he actively hit
1: it. I think he just was kind of a mope. If you've never been sick, that's something you would have noticed already. You know what I mean? And been like, huh, I never get sick. I must just be so healthy. It's because I keep my body in shape. Like, yeah, I mean, you would explain it away. You wouldn't be like, I'm a superhero, but you'd be like, oh, I never get sick. I'm just lucky, I guess, you know? It's clear from the beginning of this movie that Bruce Willis is a
3: sad character, that there's something missing in his life. They show that right off the bat. He's willing to cheat immediately on the train, On his wife with this woman. Yeah. He's incomplete as a a human being. Right. And many of us go through this aspect of our lives where we feel like something's missing. Like a hole. I don't know if the logical thing that fills that hole is,
1: I should be fighting crime. But (laughs) uh, all right. Okay. That's what I'm going to fill my hole with. At least
3: M. Night's making it very... (laughs) All right, Scott.
1: I think you see this a lot in M. Night Shyamalan movies, too. That there's always, like... There's a supernatural element, but there's also, like, a normal family element going on in a lot of these. Okay. You know, like, uh, Signs deals with, uh, you know, the wife's death and stuff and him losing his faith a little bit. Okay. This one, he's kind of lost his way. They're getting divorced, but there's also this weird supernatural element that sort of fixes both things. Well, I think that if we're talking any in
3: any way positive about M. Knight, it's the fact that he does ground the supernatural themes in his films in a reality that that the layman can understand.
1: The sad son pulls a gun on his sad dad, believing he can't get hurt. But the sad man tells his sad son about when he was a child (laughs) and nearly drowned. Are you guys familiar with the famous story with George Reeves, who played Superman
3: on the TV show, where a kid pulled a gun on him because he thought it was really Superman? Right. And George Reeves had to talk him down and say, listen, if you shoot me, the bullet will bounce off me and hit someone in the crowd. And he was able to talk the kid away you know, down for right. shooting him with a gun because
1: friends don't shoot each other.
3: Guess so. Okay. I mean, it makes sense. What do you mean it makes sense? Friends don't shoot each other. Oh yeah, sure, sure. I mean, I mean, I hope. Phil stared down the barrel of a gun many times in his life <laughs> for different reasons.
2: <laughs> they weren't all guns, but they were definitely barrels.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: What does that mean? I don't know. Get rid of it, please. (laughs) You can't stare down a barrel of a gun if it's in your mouth. Phil, we've got many more episodes to do and many places to
1: send you. Put it away. Yes. The comic book expert theorizes that water is the sad man's weakness, and the sad man admits he faked his injury because his wife hated the sport. The sad man realizes he has a gift for knowing when people have done bad things and goes to a train station looking for criminals. The sad man touches a janitor and has a vision of the janitor committing a home invasion where he murdered a man and is holding his wife and children the, hostage. The
3: stop right there. It's kind of a, a thing that I read where when he was touching different people to find out the bad things they did. I think it's it's before the train station when he's showing Mr. Glass at the uh, a stadium that he's got this power.
1: Yeah. Right. The-
3: he touches a woman that's holding the hand of her son and M. Night has confirmed that that was actually... He kind of retconned it so that it was actually um, the split character and his mother. Oh, really? Yeah, because he kind of touches oh, him. Oh, like re-
1: abusive to have the but kid, right? But they don't right? really yeah. even
3: show the backstory there he just kind of something's going on there he like yeah. touches him and then you see a quick flash of the two of them and then it moves on to the next thing well, and well that's I, like, the
1: same kind of thing they show in uh, uh i think it's iron man 3 you see that little kid with the iron man mask and he puts right. his hand up and he jumps behind him and he's like hey great job kid like oh yeah and they've since people have gone back now and been like that's spider-man that's peter parker okay. as a little kid and marvel's basically like yeah okay <laughs> like obviously we <laughs> didn't so? plan it but yeah, yeah sure that sounds cool yeah that, Isn't that's a, now true
3: is there another movie where somebody touches people and he sees their bad deeds we're, we're
2: thinking th- about Ray starring Jamie Foxx when he touches women and knows if they're hot or not I don't yeah. think
3: that touches because- their
1: wrist and knows if they're chunky <laughs> or not <Ooh!
3: laughs> they're in the train station and like he's saying to him, it's like oh that crime's not bad enough for me to pursue right well that crime is bad but not so bad yeah. oh Jesus this guy's fucking that,
1: broken into a house that train scene is a fucking horror show of people walking <laughs> by too no, like, now, hate now, crime rape everyone
3: like. and then it, it makes a point of showing that like but they're, they're he's hugging his mom and dad like you'd never think that this guy committed right. a hate
1: crime right
3: you'd never think this pretty lady uh shoplifted or what are you gonna do like grab him by the wrist and be like you committed a hate crime <laughs> Many years ago, right? Yeah. Hey, did you shoplift ten years ago? (laughs) I'm bringing you in. Also, finally, he's like, "Oh shit! All right, home invasion." Now that we're like over the
2: over the hump of COVID, I don't want to say post COVID. I could never imagine a man standing in a place touching people now, right? Much less then. I mean that even then, that's like five reflexes. Well, flex.
3: in 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 both the first and third movie, at no point people are like, "Why do you keep touching me? Why do you why are you bumping into me?" He just, just walk works- around me. Yeah. through a group of construction yeah. workers, they would have all punched him. At They're some, like, well, "Why like- are you hitting? Just go. Yeah. Up. There's no one else on the street. Why do you keep bumping into me?"
1: <laughs> yeah. And what's with the raincoat? You're inside.
3: <laughs> it's, like, it's all right. He's a sad man. Meanwhile, they've rigged up a whole look for fucking Samuel. He looks like a, a purple Frederick Douglass. Yeah. But but yet Bruce Willis is just wearing a fucking raincoat. Yeah. Like, like what?
1: Frederick Douglass with Prince crossed yeah, over. Yeah, crossed like,
3: over. And Bruce Willis is just like, yeah, just put me in a raincoat. Code. It's yeah, good the, enough. Huh? The
2: raincoat is a metaphor for his fucking acting career because he is a goddamn mope. <laughs> yeah It's
3: just, it just hangs out. It's a wet blanket on yeah. everything. <laughs> and not just, like we really want to show the green and the motif. It's, put me in a raincoat. That's fine. Yeah. Respect yourself. Okay. Respect yourself, Bruce. Come on. Remember when I did that song? I'm Bruno, remember? Put me in a raincoat. <laughs> I'm Hudson Hawk, baby. <laughs> No frills,
1: I'm Bruce Willis.
3: <laughs> no
1: frillis Willis, that's what they call me. <laughs> the sad man follows the janitor home, kills him, and frees the hostages. Wait,
3: Phil, did you happen to notice that the bad guy that commits the home invasion <laughs> looks like nails from the <laughs> WWF? Because <laughs> he's weird. He's wearing an inmate. jumpsuit. He's suit. wearing an inmate yeah. jumpsuit. He, I, I so help me God, folks. <laughs> I you, think it
1: was his janitor's uniform. But, but
3: you know why what? is it orange? Because, but well, that's part of M Night's color motif in this film, right? right? So that every bad guy has a different color as well. Yeah, he yeah. does but, it in Sixth Sense too. But this visually, Phil knows is a wrestling fan. He looks like. 80s wrestler Nails who feuded (laughs) with The Undertaker. It's exactly who he looks like.
1: The next morning, the sad man tells his sad son that he was right, and he is a superhero. Meanwhile, it's only damaging the son further.
3: It looks like the son's ready to kill himself. He's like, it it was me. The son's like, you're making it worse. Yeah. You're making it worse. Right. You're just fostering a codependent relationship with your son
1: by having him keep a secret for you. Yeah! Yeah. It's terrible. Later, the sad man attends the comic book expert's comic book exhibition and meets the comic book expert's mother. The sad man then shakes the comic book expert's hand and has a vision, revealing that the comic book expert caused the train crash and other quote-unquote accidents mm. looking for a superhero. And that's the first movie. I mean, I suppose if you're in the position
3: where your limbs break easily and you have nothing else in life, your purpose is to be a villain and that's and that's okay? Right. Yeah. Sure. Like, if I got mauled by a gorilla and I lost my
2: face and hands, I would get bionic implants and become a supervillain. Because at that point, i got to wear a metal dome.
1: Have you thought about I, this I, before? I, <laughs> I don't know. And it is sort of a comic booky thing of like the villain creates the hero, the hero creates the villain. I know in Batman they talk, well, specifically. I, is that a comic booky thing? Well, in I mean, in 89's Batman, that was made up that the Joker killed his parents. Basically, Batman created Joker in that movie as well. Right. But um, one of the theories I have, like Spider-Man, right? Spider-Man was created by what? A thug killing his uncle and also science, right? Okay. So what does he fight? He fights thugs and he fights scientists all okay. the time. So okay. I think like something with your creation ends up being what you're fighting against. Okay. That's what they talk about like in Batman, like uh, Batman and Joker, like you know yin and yang right? right like they need each other like the only reason joker continues to do that shit is because he finds batman so fucking interesting like he hate he kind of hates right. batman but it's like a love hate and like, that
3: is such a theme in this trilogy overall because you're like why is this fucking brittle boned guy just give a shit so much well i mean why is he right. pushing this narrative of, of comic books so much it's because it's a personal interest in him. He was right. trying to validate himself. You, you can't be I mean? a
1: super villain if there's not a superhero. So I meanwhile, well, you know, Bruce, that's why Bruce was is so sad at the end is he's had this catharsis, he's gotten over his sadness, he's found the thing that completes him, and then goes, Oh shit, I just played into like your game right. and you killed all these people. Because presumably he wants to be like,
3: Thank you for showing me this. This this thing I've been missing in my life. Right. But you did it by murdering a bunch of people, right. which I have to now fight against. Right. So
1: and now I have to carry that with me. You're right. <laughs> like, so there's
3: a real it's a mindfucker for Bruce at the end. Scott. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you take us to the next film?
1: Yes. And of course, the next film is Split. 2016. In Philadelphia. A man with split personalities kidnaps three girls in order to feed them to one of the personalities who is half man, half animal, and has incredible physical capabilities.
3: You got Betty Buckley up in that, and she's like, Oh, there's no real beast. It's just.
1: It's in your mind. It's
3: not. And they're like, The guy's like, I've got many personalities. Trust me, it's another personality.
1: She accepts that he has 23 personalities, but 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 not 24? 24. That's crazy.
3: She's like, Listen, I was in cats. So I know all about personalities. And this isn't one of them. <laughs> well, I mean, hey,
2: 23, thank God. None of them are musical theater people. Good yeah. Lord.
1: <laughs> Do any of your personalities sing memory? It's my 24th personality, Mr. mephistopheles
3: <laughs> He has no powers. The power is he, he annoys people.
1: Yeah, he upsets them. <laughs> He'll meow the whole session.
3: <laughs> he makes sewer lids fly. <laughs> makes you name your child Bustopher Jones.
1: <laughs> a controlling collection of his personalities, including a British woman, a stern man with OCD and a nine-year-old boy believe that the half-man, half-animal personality will protect them and make those who have not suffered suffer. At night, the other personalities email their therapist trying to stop the controlling collection of personalities, and the therapist senses something has happened. One of the flaws in this movie, which is otherwise pretty good, the information that we glean from the movie
3: the matrix of the story and the different personalities and coming in and out of the light and that's who's yeah. – the, the overriding personality is interesting. But the actual plot, the chain of events where he's kidnapped these these girls is kind of half-assed.
2: Yeah, I feel like he, he set up the initial conceit being this is an escape movie and then just went left
3: with it being a superhero movie? Yeah. And what's funny is we don't know at this point that the beast is going after people that have not felt the pain that he's felt. Like, he's attacking people that haven't suffered the way he suffered, so why even pick those girls? It's, it's, it's unclear early on in the movie.
2: All I know, if I ever get abducted, I'm just going to immediately out the gate be
1: like, listen, a television fell on my head when I was four. Meanwhile, <laughs> the three girls attempt to escape, but with no success. The therapist visits the man with split personalities to try and stop him but she is killed when the man with split personalities becomes the half-man, half-animal personality.
3: She could have escaped at any time. Instead, she kind of meanders around and allows herself to be killed. As soon as you see that he's kidnapped a woman and she's in the room, run away. Get out. Yeah, Stop trying to talk to him.
1: Yeah. Like, he's- well, I mean, I guess to a level you could say it's because it's like her life's work and like she's been supporting him the whole time. Like, you're really fucking this up for me, dude. I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm the top expert on this shit. And you're going to go fucking bananas on me and prove that it doesn't work. Like, <laughs> Yeah, good point. The man with split personalities kills two of the kidnapped girls and the third kidnapped girl shoots him with no effect. But when it is revealed that the third has endured a lifetime of sexual abuse from her uncle, he spares her, as she has already suffered.
3: The uncle is bad because... He destroyed Pam's painting in that episode of The Office. <laughs> oh, right. So yes, we know right. what a piece of shit that guy is. <laughs> <We're> frank, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So the whole link between her and her abusive uncle is is not really. It's not realized kind
1: of till the end. To me, it makes the movie more interesting though to have that angle of like, okay, this girl is like a survivor. Like she's, she's a survivor. She's, like she's he's a, victim. a survivor. I right, get it. Yeah. I, no,
3: I really get it. But I just feel like they could have fleshed out those flashbacks a little earlier mm-hmm. and and made the connection a little quicker. Yeah. Until the end when he. He looks at her and he's like, you are also abused.
1: (laughs) You are broken. Well, again, you know, it's M. Night Shyamalan. You don't have all the information until the end of the movie. Right. Sort of thing.
3: But at that point, you're saying to yourself, all right, the hypothesis of Betty Buckley that like these split personalities like have their own powers. Oh, one of them's a diabetic and this and that. I'm not sure that those powers include climbing the, the, the walls. Like, you're now—your power from the split personality is subverting physics and— Yeah. I think
2: it like pulls from tropes from, like, Italian horror movies or, like, giallos, where it's like, the psychosis is causing him to kill, but also the psychosis is giving him powers. so then now yeah. you're verging into another territory. So this whole movie, like, starts out as a horror movie, built on survival. Right. With the with his adversary being somebody who has trauma, but then it just goes to crazy town in the name of we later find out well, rounding out a trilogy.
3: No, but Phil, you're making a great point because the movie in no way feels like Unbreakable. It's no. not filmed like Unbreakable. It's filmed like a supernatural movie. Yeah. So when they tack that shit on at the end, which we'll get to, it feels like it
1: comes out of nowhere because yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't feel like they're connected in any way. Right. It, do- it feels like an afterthought, but supposedly he planned that.
2: I feel like it does the movie a disservice because a really fun supernatural horror movie would be this guy's a beast, and then you yeah. leave it
1: at that. No, yeah, it could have been a great standalone. The kidnapped girl is rescued, and the man with split personalities escapes. We then see a scene of the sad man from the first one, now 15 years older, hearing about the story on the news at a diner. But really, M. Night didn't have to do it because the themes... They match up in their own way. I really feel like that scene should have been, like, post-credits. Yes. You know what I mean? Where it's yes. like, okay, the movie is the movie, but, like, also, I wanted to throw this in because there is going to be a third movie, but, like, you can still watch it, and it's... I don't know. It's just weird that it's actually a part of the movie. A post credit scene it doesn't necessarily have to have anything to do with the movie, really. It just really. Right. It, you it know?
2: feels like when you weave a very complicated narrative and then suddenly come back to something out of spite... Bringing in Bruce Willis. Like, you made a fucking great comeback movie for yourself. Yeah. Split was like his yeah. his comeback. Everybody knocks it out of the park, and then you bring in Bruce Willis
3: to do his patented half smirk. doddering and, old man at the diner yeah. talking about, like, uh, Glass. Well, I know his name, yeah. Mr. Glass. Well, fuck off. No one even cares about that. Because <laughs> yeah.
1: I haven't slept in a week, look. Yeah. Like <sighs> And what does the zoo thing have to do with it?
3: Did I miss something? This was all going on in a zoo? Isn't yeah. a zoo very well secured and... Well mapped and Secure so officers, thing. how would you hide all this at the zoo?
1: I mean, I, he mentions at some point he got it because he's like head of maintenance or something. I, I think. don't know,
3: Scott. It makes me think of when we were talking about the Trill, when we were talking about Cobra Kai where they just easily sneak into a zoo and steal a snake. Yeah, Zoos yeah. are well secured. You can't just fuck around at the zoo.
1: Right. Twelve <laughs> Monkeys, another Bruce Willis movie with a zoo involved. Uh, seriously, right
3: enough with the zoo.
1: All right, Scotty, why don't you tell me a little bit about Glass? Uh, yes. So this is Glass. 2019. In Philadelphia, the sad man is now hunting the man with split personalities and tracks him to a warehouse where he has kidnapped more girls. The sad man frees the girls, but he and the man with split personalities are arrested during their fight and brought to a mental hospital where the comic book expert, now seemingly catatonic, is also imprisoned. This whole movement. Over an hour
3: and a half at the mental hospital is ridiculous and terrible. Yes. What's her name? Sarah Paulson. Sarah Paulson. Is like, I've got you surrounded by water jets that will prevent you from leaving. It's like, how about just don't swallow the water, Bruce Willis? Yeah. How about just walk through the water? (laughs) I know. It's it's not like water itself kills you. Drowning kills you. They
1: drain the room and he's like, oh, oh, coughing up water. Like, why'd you open your mouth? Yeah.
3: Just walk (laughs) through (laughs) the water. Yeah. I mean, it's the worst way. It's not like it
1: burns your skin or anything. It's
3: ridiculous.
2: Not like the aliens inside. There's so many fucking inconsistencies in this single movie. At one point, Sam Jackson is catatonic in a wheelchair. The next scene, he wakes up in his
3: bed. How did he get there? Who knows? Well, because at that point, we hadn't even seen him in a bed. He seemed right. to just be sitting in a wheelchair in a big empty room. And then yeah, suddenly right. he's in his bed, and then they're he's like, in a we bed. got you. We've been waiting for a sh- superhero showdown, right? and I'm, this is what you're giving me? Yeah, yeah.
1: And, we, and you never really get it.
3: I'm sorry. The three of them are lined up during that one scene, and Sarah Paulson's just kind of talking to them, and they're just in a in a row, right? Yeah. and she's talking to them.
2: You've got three actors, who two who have history together from the other movies, uh, one who's giving fucking ca- career performance playing 24
3: different personalities, all distinct. Yep. And they don't get shit to do. Don't get to say anything. Yeah. They're all begging. They're like, let us act. Let us do something. Right. And instead we get monologues by Sarah motherfucking Paulson.
1: Which everyone just stopped shoving her down my throat, okay? Uh, I don't like her. I don't if, like her either. If by
2: everyone you just mean Ryan Murphy. Yes,
1: Ryan Murphy. Yeah. The sad man is kept in a room that can fill with water if he tries to escape, while the man with split personalities is held in a room with flashing lights that trigger him to switch to a different personality.
3: She's like, "These are hypnosis lights. What are you talking about? These are hypnosis lights." Yeah, yeah what, what is, what is you, that? What the fuck is yeah, that?
1: Yeah, like oh. you would think you would think that the machine would, instead of flashing lights, would just constantly say his name over and over again. Yeah, and right. Like, yeah,
3: it almost <laughs> feels like they're using the hypnosis lights so that James McAvoy can constantly just switch into different characters boof, hypnosis lights, I'm a little boy, boof, yeah. hypnosis lights, I'm an Englishman, boof, <laughs> hypnosis lights, I'm the woman, uh, all
1: it's, right. This just sounds like a cutscene from like Aladdin, right, now. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that's right? Poof, I'm a preacher, poof, I'm Boof, i poof, I'm... now I'm a lamb, poof. <laughs> a psychologist tells all three of them that they are delusional and that they are not in fact superheroes, shaking their beliefs in themselves. The sad son, the comic book expert's mom, and the kidnapped girl all try to convince the psychologist that. They are who they say they are, but with no success.
3: Is that a common thing in comics, guys, where each superhero sort of has a side confederate that yeah, kind is of. there to validate their powers? Or I,
1: I mean, his son is basically Oracle, right. like in the Batman yeah, comics. okay,
3: okay. The question is, why is Casey even returning? He, he kidnapped
1: her. It's only right. by
3: sheer luck that she escaped because they have a kinship in, in feeling pain together. I guess it's sort
1: of like a Stockholm syndrome sort yeah, of thing. I guess so. Which I'm like, oh, I guess I get that.
3: Yeah, but when mm. you met Kevin, he was like, put a fucking shotgun up to my head and murder me. And she yeah, I was, was like, waiting yeah. for
1: when she came back for him to be like, why didn't you kill me like I asked you to? Yeah. Like... Every
3: time we see Kevin, we like him and he's like, what, am, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah. And we're all like, we don't know what you're doing here. Yeah. Why are you here? Yeah, <laughs> he's what kinda, is happening? <laughs> well, I, You know what? I would disappear, too, if this is the movie I had to constantly appear in. He's right. like the Bruce Willis of all the personalities. Like,
2: why <laughs> am I here? I don't have to be here. I don't I don't look like I have to be here.
1: Yeah, they're both sleepwalking through the movie. Yeah, god yeah. damn.
2: The way he p- tries to push through the door, it looks like he's just mildly annoyed. <laughs> yeah. you know, during yeah.
3: the escape scene. Every single shot where Bruce Willis has to do something super power-ish is... Like a a close-up with a stuntman. You know
1: why? Because Bruce Willis is old. Yeah.
3: Great. An old man is fighting a guy with brittle
1: bone disorder. (laughs) Great. It sounds like a fair fight to me. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) One night, the comic book expert sneaks out and visits the man with split personalities, telling him he is going to break them all out. The psychologist discovers the comic book expert left his cell and performs a lobotomy on him. But later it is revealed that the comic book expert sabotaged the lobotomy machine and escapes with the man with split personality.
2: Does he still have a flashback if he's having a
3: fake lobotomy? What's going on there? That's a good point, yeah. Phil. It's almost like he took the lobotomy machine part out, put a fake lobotomy machine part in, and still had a flashback of himself as a child. Yeah. This is how I felt when I went on a -a tilt-a-whirl
1: as a kid Mm. What? The comic book expert tells the sad man That he intends to destroy a chemical lab In a new building in Philadelphia Killing thousands Which prompts the sad man to escape as well And confront them They fight on the front lawn of the mental hospital Where the sad son reveals that the man with split personality's father Was one of the victims of the train accident That his sad dad survived
3: As an audience we're finally saying to ourselves Alright, these guys are fighting Fuck yeah!
2: Well, because we're conditioned after two decades worth of comic book movies. After
3: well, a, well you want it.
1: Listen, well, you want to fight, right? Of course. And the
3: goddamn, movies have set it up that there will be a showdown. They're basically saying there will be a showdown between the yeah. ultra superhero and the ultra villain. Yeah. Yeah. And so here we are. We're finally there, and you know what? Now there's more talking.
1: Fucking yeah, because you even got you got Mr. Glass's mom is like. I think I remember him telling me that there's always a showdown. Like, the showdown is coming
3: pitted against each other. Well, just shut up. All right, so that's surprise number one. The father that would have saved young Kevin killed because of the actions of Mr. Glass. Right. Surprise number one. Go ahead,
1: Scott. Learning this, the man with split personalities breaks the comic book expert's bones, killing him and throws the sad man into a water tank. The kidnapped girl confronts the man with split personalities, bringing out his normal personality, and he is fatally shot by the police.
3: <laughs> in his stomach.
1: Yeah. All right. Yeah, like, I mean, he could have been okay.
3: Not in the chest, not in the head, yeah.
1: <laughs> right. Put a gauze just, patch on Put pressure on, on it, what yeah. are you doing? <laughs> if The beast could have handled that shot. Yeah. Good job. Should have let him just be the beast. Yeah. Beauty and the beast. Okay. All right, Lansbury. The sad man is then drowned in a puddle while the psychologist reveals she is part of a secret society that covers up and kills superheroes. So what was the point? Surprise number two.
3: What was the point of all of this? There there was no point. It's also like, oh,
2: you want a big Marvel movie? Fuck you.
3: Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. We hate Sarah Paulson through this movie, and you're like, oh, you're a fucking expert in people who have superhero disorder? It sounds so stupid. So, okay, this justifies how stupid it is, but it's still not worth it. Right. I would rather just hate that as a plot point than to think that I was just an idiot for two and a half
1: I, movies yeah.
3: believing this interesting yes. idea so that it could be
1: just kind of spit back in my face. And it kind of ruins the other two movies. Exactly.
3: Yeah. This movie
2: could have been so much better if we knew on the outset that this is what she was trying to do And we saw them trying to avoid their fate. It is
1: then revealed that the comic book expert planned the whole thing and streamed the footage online. To the sad son, the comic book expert's mom, and the kidnapped girl who upload the footage revealing superheroes are real.
3: As if once this is revealed on the internet it'll change the world no one will believe it
1: this movie
3: operates on
2: the assumption that TikTok never existed yeah the
3: like viral videos that everyone just believes everything they see and oh my god it's not no one will believe it they won't care and they certainly won't look at it simultaneously in a train station and be like holy shit the world is changing
2: also that's a very sparsely populated train station it really is for them to judge (laughs) if people are looking at their fucking phones of course they
1: are they're in a train station
3: meanwhile they're holding the hand of Mr. Glass's mother like he didn't really kill many many people yeah you
1: raised a murderer and we're proud of him
3: yeah and you're caressing my hand yeah. as we watch this
1: together. Yes, what? The consider- guy who, who basically killed the other two. Yeah. By bringing them into the situation. Exactly.
3: Selfishly so that he could validate his own existence. Right. Scott, in our world of looking at many, many trilogies, I've never seen an example of a trilogy failing
1: so amazingly with a third movie. And really, the third movie is what makes it a trilogy. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. What they should have done, a much cooler setup for this, right, is if Bruce Willis is hunting this guy. And he can't catch him, right? Mm-hmm. And he has to go to Glass like he's fucking Hannibal Lecter. Yes. And be like, I need to, we need to work together to bring I love this it. guy down. Thank you. You know, it took one t- much better. I agree. And I even agree. if there is a twist that, like, aha, Glass wanted you to do this the whole time. And even if he threw the thing in that he, you know, kind of created the other guy too, that's fine. But like, yep. You wouldn't have this bullshit Sarah Paulson secret society. You know what?
3: You guys are both superhero connoisseurs, and I'm a pop cultural guy, and we all know that sometimes the villain... And the hero have to get together to work against a third party, which is kind of the big threat to everyone.
1: Maximum Carnage is a great series in Spider-Man where uh, fucking Venom and Spider-Man have to work together to take down Carnage.
3: He-Man and Skeletor have to work together to take down the evil horde. You know what I'm even saying?
1: Even in fucking Cobra Kai that we, we've been watching, right. you know, like the Johnny and uh, Daniel are finally getting together now because they have to take down Crease, You know, like right. it's it's classic. I mean,
2: even Professor
3: Xavier and Magneto are known to team up. It's an insult, I think. I think it's an insult not only to moviegoers, it's an insult to people that appreciate comic book movies and the idea that this was an original take on comic book movies. Right. So, all right. Those are the plots for the first three films. And now I think it is important that we get into the details of how these movies were made. The Vinformation? I think that's a perfect time for our new Vinformation tune. Hit it, Billy. Vinformation! All right. Menage Nellyahu Shyamalan. That's his real name. He goes by M. Night. Yeah. M. Night Shyamalan came into prominence in the late 90s. Um, he's originally from Pennsylvania. What?
1: He's from Pennsylvania?
3: Penn Valley,
1: Pennsylvania. What? So like near like Philadelphia? I could have never guessed. <laughs> wow. All now, of his movies take place in Philadelphia. I know. That's, I, that's what we I'm, got the joke. Yeah.
3: Let me move on. All right. M. Night came about in the uh, late 90s, of course, with... The Sixth Sense, which was the highest grossing thriller of all time. Yeah. It's since been passed by It. Oh. It. But I feel like M. Night is one of the last of a group of directors where his name kind of sells a movie and tells you what kind of a movie you're walking into. Right. This is more prominent in the '70s and '80s, but as we go into the '90s, once you get past Tarantino, how many other directors can you say that about? All right, you've got M. Night Shyamalan. You guys, tell me, what other directors can sell a film nowadays? Wes
2: Anderson, Christopher Nolan.
3: You know, we mostly sell movies on the strength of the actors in it or the subject matter. M. Night is a very specific type of director. You know you're going to see a supernatural film. You know you're going to see a film that has some kind of a twisty ending. And probably these days will be bad. He um, wrote a couple of screenplays. Did you know that he was the screenwriter for Stuart Little? Did you know that he was one of the screenwriters for (laughs) She's All That starring Freddie Prinze? Wow, the twist being she was hot all along.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did not see that coming. He
3: was actually linked as well to um, the fourth Indiana Jones movie. There was talk that he was going to be right, the one. Yeah, that I remember one. that? They, that at they the time. pitched a million drafts, but George yeah. Lucas really wanted Aliens. He was going to do a, a Harry Potter movie. He was going to do Sorcerer's oh. Stone, um, and he was also going to be one of the directors of Life of Pi too. Hmm. And I like pie. <laughs> you like pie too? I'd like to talk now about his body of work. And in doing so, guys, I think I'd like to reveal the twist of every single movie. Let's because, do it. Because Let's fuck do it. M. Night
1: Shyamalan. Sixth Sense. Spoiler alert. Bruce Willis was dead the whole time.
3: Yes, indeed. I M. Night Shyamalan. The Village. Unbreakable. Sixth Sense. I saw dead people. Okay. He was nominated for that film for Best Picture, Best Director, And it became a pop cultural phenomenon. The idea of I see dead people set a standard that he's never been able to live up to his entire career, right? Right. I mean, because of how gigantic it was. Yeah. The difference is, though, all the other named directors, your Scorseses, your Coppolas, your Oliver Stones, these people, it's not like they then had a string of shitty movies. Yeah. They may not have outdone their previous big hits, but they're giving you quality after quality. I don't think M. Night is doing that. Right. As evidenced by the next movie. Well, Unbreakable. Sure. All right. And then Signs. Spoiler alert. They're allergic to water. That's right, Phil. The aliens landed on a planet made up of water, but they're allergic to water.
1: Right. Next movie, The Village. Spoiler alert. They're not in a village. They're in, you'll never guess, Philadelphia. (laughs) <laughs> what a
3: shitty movie. He's making a movie every two years. Lady in the Water in 2006. What's the twist on that See, one? See,
1: there's not really a twist with that. It's it's just kind of a weird movie overall.
3: Okay. Um, the next one is The Happening. Uh,
1: the twist is uh, Mark Wahlberg is a terrible actor.
3: <laughs> I don't know that that's a twist.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yo,
3: Trees, what are you doing?
1: I hear you whispering, planning on stealing something. No, ma'am, we're not. Plan on murdering me in my sleep. What? No. Two years later,
3: we've got The Last Airbender. It was an Uh, anime.
1: Anime. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it was put on Nickelodeon, and I think they have since made uh, Korra is is like a continuation of it. It's all on
2: Netflix if you'd
1: like to watch, because apparently that's the thing that people in their 30s do now. Next
3: movie, After Earth, starring Will Smith and Jaden Smith. Isn't that about Scientology? The reality is between The Village and After Earth, okay, there's like a six-movie span there where every movie is kind of terrible. Yeah, All got terrible reviews A 10 year span from roughly 2004 to 2014 Yeah Where he just became a joke Then we get to 2015 and we get The Visit You guys tell me anything about that? It's a found oh. footage,
2: probably the tail end of the found footage craze Okay, okay That's good. a found footage movie? It is Yeah. Oh.
3: And then of course we get Split After that we get Glass And then upcoming he's got a movie called Old It's like that- an island where people are just like old or something You're gonna hate Sounds me so for stupid. this But it
2: looks like a Doctor Who episode <laughs> Minus the Doctor
3: Hello, peasants. What's this? Attack of the old people? Oh, that's ridiculous. And that's basically his deal. As much as we hate those movies in the middle, globally, every single movie he's ever made has made money. Um, Not necessarily domestically, not necessarily in this country, but globally, they've all made money. So much as I don't like M. Night, say what you will, the guy is making movies or his name is responsible for people going to see films.
1: Well, he- that's what was interesting. After Earth, when it came out, I had no idea he directed it because they didn't put his name anywhere no. on After Earth. Okay. They let will smith's name right carry and that he's in it with his son so it was like oh and that was before jaden smith was a complete fucking moron and tweeting nonsense things 50 percent of human dna is shared with a banana unbelievable
3: guys the british film institute said this about m night All right, and you tell me whether you agree or how you feel about it. One of his challenges is presenting works that ask for childlike wonder and contemplation in a pop culture that's now moved towards short attention spans with snark and testosterone-fueled arrested adolescents.
2: I don't think there's any childlike wonder or introspection or anything redeemable about Glass. I feel like he just is insulting people. And their love of superhero movies with glass. Okay. Right. You
1: can have a child like Wonder without being treated like a fucking child. Right. You, you know what I mean? Like, don't treat the audience like they're morons.
3: It's this, you know, it's just this aha idea. The idea that he knows more than, than we know. Right. And I feel like that is is obnoxious. Oh, I fooled you. Well, why did I watch your fucking movie for two hours? Right. I don't want to feel like an idiot.
1: He puts himself where he has to, like, really try hard to stick the landing. Yeah. And when you do that, like, a lot of times it's going to be disappointing or unsatisfying.
3: All right. So that is M. Night Shyamalan, guys. Let's talk a little bit about each of these films. Okay. Starting with Unbreakable. M. Night saw it as a deconstruction of the genre, that it was a superhero film that was grounded in reality and that it didn't have an original comic source. Right. And he decided on a movie based on an origin story. He wanted an origin story and that's kind of what he went with. The movie did okay money-wise. It wasn't nearly as big as The Sixth Sense. Right. 75 million is what it was made for. It did 248 million globally, but domestically only just over 100 million. Also, the marketing for the movie told no one about the superhero That's twist. exactly right, Phil. The movie didn't, they didn't want to market the movie as a superhero movie in any way. At the time, that was a niche genre. There was no Avengers, no Marvel at that period of time. It was considered very niche. And I think you're going to thank um, Batman and Robin for that.
2: Actually. Yeah, they killed the superhero yeah. genre with that shit.
1: What killed the dinosaurs?
3: The ice age! <laughs>
2: It's funny because in that same
3: year, X-Men came out. And that's kind of where it really begins again. Disney did not want to market this in any way as a superhero film. They instead wanted to market it as a supernatural film in hopes of capturing the same uh, acclaim that... That Sixth Sense did, and so that's what they did. Despite the fact that the movie begins with information about comic books, I mean, in the first five seconds you're reading comic book statistics. Hmm. That
1: opening just reminded me of the Runaway Train video for some reason, like when they're giving the statistics of a hundred thousand kids run away. Run away
3: become a cult film later on people love this movie now when they look back and they they think about you know in the context of the superhero world that we live in now this is considered to be you know a landmark film the dvd was a huge seller
2: yeah it had so many special features and such a a wide like deep explanation from m night about why he did it
3: and what went into it right right there are so many motifs in this film yeah okay we're talking about colors in a big way. Samuel L. Jackson is defined by the color purple. Right. Which a lot of it was his suggestion using the color purple. He's got a fascination with the color purple. In Star Wars, he begged Lucas to give him a purple lightsaber. Yeah. Good guys are good guys are green and blue, bad guys are red. That's just the way it works.
0: No purple left? You, you might get purple.
3: Bruce Willis is connected to the color green throughout the film. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of allusions to um, reflections and the idea of glass. A lot of shots are are shot through a mirror image effect. Or
1: even uh, upside down shots you see a lot.
3: And you get the idea of... comic book panels, so yeah. many of the shots are shot through portals yeah. or framed through doorways, something like that. You see it so much. Yeah. I, I wrote a whole list for the first movie. There's a, a huge list, yeah. but you really see it. It's laden with motifs. It's like, this is an original superhero film. And I respect
1: that. Yeah. I this is to, my favorite Shyamalan yeah, movie. It's mine too. Me too. I,
3: what if Superman didn't know that he was Superman? Right. That's basically what we're talking about here. Which is a really cool idea. It yeah. really is. Yeah, I know. You can do all these amazing things
0: and sometimes you think that you will just go bust unless you can tell people about it, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, every time I get the football, I can make a touchdown. <laughs> that's for sure. Every time. Yeah.
3: I mean, is it showing off and somebody's doing the things he's capable of doing? Is Is no. it a bird showing off when it flies? No. All right, so then we get to Split. Originally, that Kevin character was part of early Unbreakable drafts, and he took it out because there was, I guess he said there was balancing issues, the idea of too right. many characters. They keep using the expression stealth sequel. This is the first stealth sequel. Right. And that we don't know it's a sequel until the last shot of the movie with Bruce Willis. Right. But again, they decide to market it incorrectly in that they don't market it as a sequel.
1: It's funny because it's almost like they're trying this now with DC. They did that Joker movie. It's an origin. Story for a villain, you know right. what I mean? Where and he was—that's kind of what he was doing with Split. I think
3: they say that Split was the first villain origin story ever made.
1: M Night is with doing shit with superheroes that people don't do, yeah, for years.
3: But it was secretive. M Night Shyamalan made an agreement with Disney that they could use the Bruce Willis character at the end of Split with the. Idea that if he made a third movie, Disney would be involved, and that's kind of how it worked out. Buena Vista wound up distributing the, the third film. Very strong reviews for Split. A lot of people say that's the movie that brought him back after that run of shit movies that he did. Right. It's it's twofold. See,
2: the the, the movie he did in 2015 brought him back in the eyes of, like, cult film buffs and, like,
3: nerds. This movie... Kind of brought him back into the mainstream. I mean, it was the most profitable movie of 2017. It was made for nine million and wound up making 278 million dollars globally. Yeah. That's a huge number. Nine million. Nine million. It was poorly received in the mental health community because they said that it stigmatized dissociative identity disorder. Person no da-da-da-da. point do I believe that anyone that has this disorder
2: will grow muscles. Right. Yeah.
3: It, you're right, Phil. It's fantastic. In that the superhero element of it. Makes it obviously a work of art,
2: right? And not right. representative of a community in in the hist in the history of werewolfism. History points to it just being a mentally ill guy covered in dirt eating okay, sheep. Okay, okay, like. I mean, not that he had strength or anything, but he just went crazy and everybody was like, a wolf, because they didn't know any better. I mean, they see an eclipse and they
3: shit themselves then. Ultimately, it's a sampling of a certain community and not representative of the entire community. No. We can say that about every single bad guy in the history of every movie and be like, oh, because that bad guy had a terrible home life. Oh, you think everyone that's had a terrible home life will be a killer or evil or whatever? It's a movie. If I have offended anyone, and I'm sure I have, I don't apologize. Um, the success of this movie led to Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson being interested in in making this a trilogy. Wait, so Bruce Willis wasn't interested in making the trilogy when he showed?
2: They just captured him on a day when he was in a diner. <laughs> that's what it looks like. Yeah, I love I love this guy. Yeah, he sent me, he, he sent me the script. He didn't tell he didn't tell me anything about it. I said F-
1: it, I'll do it. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> so it's clear you didn't read the script. You just got it. Absolutely, he not fed it into no. a shredder and said. I'm doing
3: it. Right? So we get to Glass. It was made for $20 million and worldwide it did 247 but domestically it did only about $111 million. Good. It was still a success. They used a lot of the deleted footage from Unbreakable to show those flashbacks. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. It got mixed reviews, mostly because of the things we've talked about here, the ending. It was initially featured at CinemaCon. Phil, you were there, weren't you?
2: No, well, that's, a, that's a big con. You so were a, a con it. artist.
3: <laughs> now, Beth. Don't con me. M. Night Shyamalan calls it the first fully grounded comic book movie. Fuck you. M. Knight has said he does not want to create a cinematic universe. There will be no further film. So he made a movie that was Clearly. basically like, fuck you. He yeah. could have just made a movie. That's him saying, like, I know this didn't work. Yeah.
1: And I can't go any further with it. And to ensure that no one ever does, I'll kill all the characters. Yeah. Well,
2: like when you order a bad sandwich at 3 a.m., except instead of enjoying it yourself, you order it at... As a point to yourself to show you that you shouldn't order a bad sandwich at 3 a.m. I mean, I've never done that. I've always enjoyed my 3 a.m. sandwich. I feel, I feel sandwich. like I'm
3: looking at some mayo on your mustache right now. That's the creamy spinach <laughs> dip that you made me try. <laughs> All right. Uh, what are
1: you? An idiot sandwich.
3: When we talk about the actors that have been in all three of these movies, I just went with the three kind of principles of these films. Right. The only one that's been in all, that was in all three was Bruce. Bruce. Yeah. All right. So, but let's talk a little bit about Bruce, Samuel L. and James McAvoy. Those sure. these are the principles. Okay. Bruce Willis is a trilogy superstar. So many times over. Scott, yeah. you and I have talked to Bruce Willis so many times. Yeah. Look who's talking. Gilliam's Americana trilogy. Yep. Unbreakable. The Expendables, which we haven't gotten to yet. The Oceans trilogy, where he had a cameo. Yep. And Rugrats, where he did a voice. Yes. All right, that's Bruce Willis for you. I would suggest to you that when it comes to Bruce Willis, for every one movie he does, he does five or six bad movies. Right. Yeah. All right, so you've got, like, Die Hard, but then you've got The Bonfire of the Vanities, no Mortal okay. Thoughts, Hudson Hawk, Pulp Fiction, Pulp Fiction. But surrounding it, you've got Striking Distance, North, The Color of Night, Nobody's Fool. Oh, wait a second, 12 Monkeys is good? That's fine, because around it, you've got The Jackal, Mercury Rising, Mm. The Siege. He's done so many movies, he kind of dilutes himself, right? Yeah. When I was looking at Bruce Willis's filmography, do you have any idea how many straight-to-video or straight-to-streaming movies this guy has done in the last 10 years? I'm going to go with 20. So I guess my question is, guys, How is it that Bruce Willis has fallen off so greatly while a contemporary of his, Samuel L. Jackson, has maintained his stature, his popularity? I have a theory.
2: Samuel L. Jackson, his career took off late in life where he had a better sense of self and was sober at that point and also was somebody that was uh, more discerning and has, has a more clear presence. Like, I think he holds himself to a certain standard that Bruce Willis... I think he's just too fucking grumpy to do.
1: I think it's because Samuel Jackson still enjoys what he does. Yeah, and okay. it, it seems to me Bruce Willis does not enjoy doing this anymore. More of a chore for him. Yeah. Did you know that some actors turned down roles? Any plans to reboot the Grumpy Old Men franchise?
3: So then that brings us to the other, you know, lead in this trilogy, Samuel L., who is the biggest trilogy superstar in the history of everything we've done. Samuel L. has been in Jurassic Park. The Unbreakable Trilogy, the Star Wars prequel, the Star Wars sequel, Triple X Trilogy, Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, and at the end of this year, Spider-Man. So rather than just kind of beat around the bush, talk about him forever, I would like to know from each of you guys, if I took away all the Avengers movies, took away all the Star Wars movies, took away all the Quentin Tarantino movies, and took away Goodfellas, what is your favorite film of his?
2: I would go with 187. I really like that movie. When I, I saw it too young but it had a profound effect on me for a
1: while i mean that and a time to kill i quite like the caveman's valentine really
3: okay yes. okay
1: yes where of course he plays a uh homeless, homeless man, guy yeah who again has a mental illness yeah okay. um, i like it but i think it's it's actually a really interesting movie i mean it's it's a little bit cheesy at points but I think he does a good job in it, and he's well casted and it. You know, moments are funny to me, but you know, it's it's a very rewatchable movie. Scott, you must know
3: that I'm a big "Snakes on a Plane" guy,
1: <laughs> so I'm gonna
3: go with "Snakes on a Plane." But it lived up to everything that I hoped it would be and wanted it to be. What's funny is these guys have been in a lot of movies together as well. All right, they were in a, this trilogy together, Unbreakable and Glass, but they were also together in Loaded Weapon One.
1: Well, cameo by Bruce a little Willis cameo, there.
3: Pulp Fiction, of course, they did not interact, and um, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah, why do they work together well?
1: I think they're both kind of um, no bullshit personality types. You okay, know, kind okay. of like they both they're both guys with attitude. So I yeah, think they work good. well, and they 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 butt heads with each other at the same time. There's a
2: contrast, like tonally, with. They're no bullshit. Like the way mm. that they banter and die hard
3: is awesome. All right, seven guys with seven wives. Shut up, McLean. I'm good at this. Seven guys with
0: seven wives. Shut the se- fuck up, McLean. He said seven wives with seven sacks. Seven, seven times wise? seven is forty nine. Now tell me the rest. Oh, yeah, sack with seven sacks. What's you listening? Seven. Yeah, I here. not the fuck fucking wrong with you. Well, besides having a bad fucking hangover for one all right, thing. All right, all right. All right,
3: and the last guy that's worth mentioning, of course, for all three of these movies is James McAvoy, Scottish actor. Um, he's a trilogy superstar. He's in the Chronicles of Narnia trilogy. But I think a lot of people first saw him in The Last King of Scotland, where he acted against uh, Forrest Whitaker, right. who won the Academy Award for Best Actor that year. In addition, he was in Atonement, which was a huge movie in 2007. Was in Wanted in 2008, Scott, which Creed mentions in that episode of yes. The Office.
2: Okay, geniuses,
3: how would you do it? Curve the bullet like in my favorite James McAvoy film, uh, Wanted. He played Romeo in Gnomeo and Juliet. Ooh,
1: that's a piece of shit.
3: And, um, of course, he played um, the young Charles Xavier in the X-Men 4, 5, 6, and 7th movies. Oh, look.
0: Actually, I I can't feel my legs. I can't feel my
3: legs. I can't feel my legs. All right, so let's talk about the details and foibles of Unbreakable.
0: I believe comics are our last link to an ancient way of passing on history. The Egyptians drew on walls. Countries all over the world still pass on knowledge through pictorial forms. I believe comics are a form of history that someone somewhere felt or experienced. Then, of course, those experiences and that history got chewed up in the commercial machine, got jazzed up a titillating cartoon for the sale rack.
1: My favorite part of this movie, and in college I used to talk about this first scene so much. It's so good. And I would just reenact the entire thing. They're like, did you drop this baby? What? Did you drop this baby? Jesus Christ, no. Why did I
3: start to tear up when I saw this first yeah, scene? Yeah, right? <laughs> well, you know Iman Walker moves. It's like watching
1: Up, you know? You're crying within the first few couple <laughs> yes. of
3: minutes. I don't know that I'd compare it to <laughs> Up to Up. It appears that your baby has sustained some... Fractures while
0: inside of your ears. His arms and his legs are broken. <laughs> well, see you
3: tomorrow, kid. Bye! Iman Walker, I think we all know him best, the guy who plays the doctor. He's yeah. Fr- he's Said and Oz. I mean, you know, while we're talking about actors that were in this film, it's probably important that we just mention Robin Wright real fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alright, she plays Bruce Willis's wife. We know her best from Princess Bride. Yeah, yep. Um Forrest Gump, uh, Wonder Woman and the Justice League. That's right. Yeah, talking she's about also superheroes. In Wonder Woman.
1: I'm just going to say I don't really I, like Robin Wright. I, she's actually really good in House of Cards. Okay. Like I feel like there are actors that like I didn't like at a certain point, and I think they evolve and they get better. Okay, and they, they sort of like learn their craft a little bit more, and I feel like she's somebody now who I think I think she's much better now than she used to be.
3: I just dislike her so much in Forrest Gump, but I think that's more of a mechanism it's of a, the movie, yeah, more I mean, so than her. I right. had the weirdest she's dream kind of one a shitty time. Person she memory. is a horrible person. I had the
2: weirdest dream one time that I was just she. We just hugged, and my what? sheets were all wet. I
1: know. <laughs> I was.
3: It was more of like a warmth. Maybe it was because she had nowhere else to go. So Bruce Willis survives that uh, that crash. Yeah. And the first thing he does when he goes home is he's eating some cereal. <laughs> Better eat a steak.
1: Because he's still sad. have a burger. Right? I'm just saying. Today was home. the first day I woke up and wasn't sad because I had Count Chocula.
2: Also the guilt that you could see in his face as he leaves the hospital. And all of these family members of the deceased are staring at him. Just him. Right.
1: And mm. his green shirt. But it's a great scene, actually, when he's like, you know, the doctor is overlapping it, talking about you are the only survivor. You don't have a scratch on you. And while he's doing that, all these like expectant faces of these people waiting to see their loved one come yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody else is coming. Damn. It's cool.
0: The city has seen its share of disasters. I watched the aftermath of that plane crash. I watched the carnage of the hotel fire. I watched the news waiting to hear a very specific combination of words they never came then one day i saw a news story about a train accident and i heard them there is a sole survivor and he is miraculously unharmed
1: the first scene where they meet up with uh, mr glass at his comic shop with the kid and he tells him like we're leaving joseph throw that water in the trash we're like Throw the water in the trash? What, what? This what just he, strikes me as odd every time he, I see is it. Is he like. poisoning the water? Yeah. He just Throw hates that water, water in the <laughs> trash. <laughs> I
2: mean, maybe it speaks to, to his, that's true. Uh, his it, it, fear
3: of water. That's yeah. true. Constantly with water,
1: for some <laughs> Get reason. that water away from me.
3: <laughs> that's water. Yeah. You know, it'll kill an You yeah.
1: Put it in the trash. Don't leave it lying around. <laughs> You're too old to still be doing this.
0: You take a glass of water and you finish it. Now, what's wrong with this one?
1: It has dust
0: in it.
3: Every time Glass in this movie is talking about, like, the history of comics, it's like, it's like hieroglyphics. You know, it's the history of the world. Well, that's before, you know, writing was invented. Right. Once they came up with languages, that's how they started doing history. <laughs> right. It's not like... Oh, pictures have survived all the way down to comics. No, when yeah. language was invented, they realized we can describe things better than a bunch of pictures. Right? So yeah. you it's a little like, more specific. Yeah, you sound like an idiot. Yeah, is what I mean. I it, mean, to be
1: fair, they didn't stop drawing. No, but.
3: but but seriously, like the Egyptians used hieroglyphics because that's all they had. That was right. their written. That
1: running. was language. Yeah, yeah. It's
3: not like there were like pictures. Spell it out better than anything, and yeah. you know what? The next obvious I love rebuses. Yeah. <laughs> and the next obvious connection is the comic books from the 40s yeah no there's a, a lot happened between that time yeah
1: you're kind of cherry picking history right now <laughs> symbols are a language
0: that can help us understand our past as the saying goes a picture says a thousand words but which words
2: the cinematography of it is interesting because he shoots very wide and anamorphic but it's vaguely
3: handheld, and the depth of field is somewhat shallow. Like I think that goes along with the whole paneling effect, the idea that he's trying to make yeah. it look like comic panels. And you see that throughout the entire movie, whether it be um, the conversation on the train that's framed through the two chairs in the right. beginning,
1: or whether it be... Um, we have that little girl judging him for checking out that girl's midriff. <laughs> <He's,
3: laughs> or um, I was thinking, too, through the bars at the stadium, there's a lot of shots, too. Mm, right. The upside-down effect... When glass falls down, you see the ups- his upside down right. vision. It's even cool. the
1: kid, he's watching the TV when he sees about the train crash. He's he's hanging he's off the couch down. upside down. Right. Yeah.
3: Exactly. Exactly.
1: This reminds me of the scene uh, that he has with the woman in the office when he goes to ask if he's ever had a sick day, and he's talking to that old woman. She's just like con- like you know yeah. classic like secretary type away, a not even looking at him. Like I got a lot of shit to do today. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and she is the thing. She's like she was like oh I read about you in the news, and you know I almost I had a brush with death too horse almost trampled me to death and i was waiting for it to be like killed it with my bare hands that's
2: what it gets like, but even the framing of that feels like a david gibbons right. sort of uh yeah it's a one watchman kind of thing where like yeah they repeat the panel over and over and then they just have the bubbles over it right uh, but mm-hmm. yeah very close together very slick
1: tonight a comedian died in new york they do the first flashback and uh of course on the screen it's west philadelphia and you know, obviously the first thing I was West Philadelphia, born, born and raised, raised On the
3: playground <laughs> is where I spent most of my I, thought I of it broke too. all my bones and,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, Will Smith Yeah, this, Will Smith's origin story <laughs>
3: <laughs> Will Smith's origin story I was a simple rapper And then I became a movie star With idiotic children and a yeah. stupid wife Scientology secretly yeah.
1: Look at me The origin was so much better than the rest of <laughs> yeah, my
3: yeah, life exactly <laughs> Now is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there I'll tell you how I became Mr. Glance In West Philadelphia, born and raised On the playground is where I spent most of my days When a couple of guys who were up to no good They called me
0: Mr. Glantz
3: I got in one little fight and my mom got scared I said, they say this one has a surprise ending Looked at my kingdom, I was finally there To sit on my throne
0: as Mr. Glance.
1: I love the first scene with Sam Jackson. I think it's one of his best scenes in the whole movie of him dealing with that guy who is buying that fucking that that one shot sell for right. his like four year old which I was what are you talking about that's that makes no sense that that person would be buying that for their child. But, like, that whole, like, once again, please? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Do you see a small Asian child riding in a <laughs> helicopter <laughs> with a dazed look in his eye? Like, it's just a really well written, the dialogue is really yeah. good. And I, I just, I love it. And I think, that's, I think that's his best scene in the whole movie. It establishes obviously. what like, he's about. It, right. Yeah, yeah. No Agreed. nonsense.
0: Yeah. Agreed. It's a classic depiction of good versus evil. The thing to notice about this piece, the thing that makes it very, very special is its realistic depiction of its figures.
3: When Bruce Willis is doing his bench press scene where he's lifting more and more weights, did anyone notice that his son is the one that keeps adding weights to it? How are you
1: strong enough? How is he strong enough <laughs> yeah. to put
3: the the weight on that bar? See and this? also that
1: he never looks and to goes, the, yeah. Joseph, no, that's, what are you too, doing? Much. that's like, too much. Yeah. The
3: son is taping buckets to it, and he's like, how much weight is that? About 350 pounds. M Knight shows up as in his cameo as a drug dealer, which doesn't make any sense because then he searched and doesn't have any drugs on him. So what was that for?
1: Well, if I had to watch college football, I'd probably want to be high. Jesus shit.
3: Christ! In Pennsylvania, I'm watching a Penn State game. Give me a blunt. Yeah.
1: <coughs> I also love the there's the comic book shop scene where uh, that He's guy into shit yeah he's banging into shit and he's like i hope you're not jacking off to the anime or whatever um for some reason one of my favorite lines of that he's like listen man i gotta close up i gotta get some chicken in me you know what i'm saying <laughs> oh, I'm, like, yeah. I'm like i think about that all the time I'm like i gotta get some chicken in me like, <laughs> like like why why specifically chicken like it's not like i'm like i gotta eat i gotta get some food like, in me like i, I, I were... gotta get some chicken in me <laughs> <I> nothing were... <laughs> else you want another piece
0: Hey, have a breast
1: when he goes to the train station, and this it happens throughout the whole movie, but the soundtrack that's playing, it, it gets a little pure moods for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's got the, like, <laughs> tubular bells. Enya.
3: I, I, I,
1: I, I. <laughs> uh, innocence.
0: that takes me back imagine a world where time drifts slowly a world where music carries you away experience pure moods the perfect soundtrack for your way of
3: life did you see where there was thor in the background yeah, there was a Thor yeah, there comic. were Thor
1: comics, and I saw Agents of Shield comics. Damn, right. well. so, so obviously a... Marvel allowed them to use their comics. Right. DC did not, did not, because they had to make up Sentry comics and like all this other shit. And you're right. like, that's not a real comic. I know you made that up for <laughs> the movie.
3: I feel like Glass is like the Joker in a lot of ways. Sure, when they talk about a the criminally insane, yeah, and using that expression. And again, the Joker, as we've seen in film, is kind of grounded in reality, especially the most recent Joker. Right. So it feels I mean, he
1: doesn't really have powers either, the Joker. He's He's kind of weak when it comes to fighting, too. Right. Like, he's just sadistic. He's just a wild card. He's sadistic.
2: Glass is just smart. I feel like Mr. Glass is closer in line to, like, a Doctor Doom, which we still haven't seen a proper interpretation of ever. Right. But somebody who like is thinking a mile ahead of the game. I don't see the Joker as that. I never really did. I just think the Joker has horribly human impulses to do things that are otherwise like subversive or against nature or against the law because he can and thinks it's funny. Right. But, like, Mr. Glass represents a, a villain that we still have yet to see fully articulated in film.
1: Okay. Aside from Mr. Glass himself. This movie as a standalone, which, you know, for years it was. Yep. You know, like, when I would think about this movie, it, I always think it's, it's like an origin story for two characters we will never see again. Right. You know, like, they set up the origin story, and now it's like, but you don't need to see any more. Because that was that the was, hope. That was the story. We yeah. don't need any more after Unique, this. Unique, cool
3: And I guess that brings us many years later, gentlemen, to Split. The others told me that you and Patricia told the group about this beast. How this beast
1: can crawl on walls like the best rock climbers, using the slightest friction and imperfections to hold his body close to seemingly sheer surfaces. How his skin is thick and tough like the hide of a rhinoceros.
3: Definitely not presented as a superhero movie until the last five minutes. It's yeah. it's
2: just a straight up thriller. Like the, the mounting terror when she gets into the car and she looks in the, her side view mirror and then she looks again and she sees the foods on the
3: ground. Yeah, That's Anya Taylor-Joy and I think that most of the world knows her nowadays from... Queen's Gambit. She's yes. the lead in Queen's Gambit, is which is sensational. If you haven't seen Queen's Gambit, it's I loved it. Fucking I have awesome. not. It's, it's so, so good. good.
2: She's got that thing that that Samuel L. Jackson has, where like the power and her direction is in her eyes. Yeah, and good. like there's a lot of that interplay with her good. and all of the
3: the horde. She holds a gun on her uncle. I think that's a, a mirror image of uh, Unbreakable. Yeah, where he holds a gun on his father. Right, right. Well, with different same, intentions, for different sure. intentions. Yeah, but, but, but the idea of a child holding a gun on an adult. And there being that tension that arises
1: from that. Right. I'm your uncle. Stop it, Casey. Put that gun down. (laughs) No, I am your father. And I am telling you to put that goddamn gun down right now. Early on, doesn't it feel like the girls are like a little too cool about being kidnapped? When fucking, uh, what's the character? Casey wakes up and they're like, do you know what happened to my dad? Like. How the fuck would she know what happened to your dad? She went with you. Like she was taken with you, put in this fucking room. She just woke up. Like, do you know what happened to my dad? No. For no particular reason. He's like, take
3: off your shirt. Take off your pants. So the two the two <laughs> girls are half naked through the movie for no yeah. real reason. Yeah. I was wait
1: I was waiting for the girl to be like, Oh, I knew it was gonna go this way. Yeah. (laughs) But
3: that's what you think
1: would happen. Right. If a
3: psycho kidnapped you and put you in a dungeon, you'd be like, Well, I'm gonna get fucking raped here. Right, yeah. So when tortured at least seriously. That's what we expect. That's that's what what we the movie goer think is gonna happen. That's
1: what we want to happen. Yeah, of course. I mean
3: I for one am just appalled.
1: When he first comes in as Patricia and he's in that dress, and they're like, oh, there's a lady in there. Maybe she'll help us. And she comes in, and their reaction is so fucking great because it's just, oh, fuck. He's completely bonkers. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, my God. We have no idea what we're fucking dealing with. That's right? why like, the
2: movie works, because at every turn up until the point where Bruce Willis shows up, you're like, what more is going to happen to these people? Yeah. Like, what, how, what's the other thing?
1: It's got a comedic value, yeah. but at the same time, it's, it's terrifying. Oh! <gasps> Startled. Once he's established his characters, when you see him turn into them, you know exactly which character. Oh he yeah, is. absolutely. You're like he's Dennis now, or yep. he's Patricia now. You know, like because you know he does
3: it. he does a little physicalization that goes along with each character. Right. Whether it be the woman buttoning up the top of her shirt, right. whether it be the wild. Uh, physicality of the young boy of right. Hedwig, you know, you and, see and,
1: it. And there is a costume change most of the time. Sometimes yeah. he has to do it quick and they but don't. minor,
3: you know, it's but, not crazy. It's a
1: little weird at times where, like, he, like, has to turn into Dennis and he has to change real quick so yeah. he can go after them. You're like, yeah. okay, like, oh, but I get this is early on and you're establishing these characters so we'll recognize them later, basically. Yeah,
3: right. When he's turning into every personality, like, one after another, which is kind of what we're waiting for, that reminded me of, um, Terminator 2 when when he's in the lava and yeah. we see every incarnation of everything yeah. that now I'm the in, fat cop now that, 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 that T1000 <laughs> yeah. was like he's out of control and going through every personality right. once and I thought that was just it was cool like the it,
1: system's crashing yeah when... and it was an
3: act, but that's an acting tour de force my name's Hedwig I have red socks someone's coming for you
0: and you're not gonna like it you guys. Make noises than you sleep.
1: I also think it's kind of interesting uh, that he develops this beast personality later in life, and yeah. it's all, it reminded me like you know other superheroes, but X Men, you know, like where okay. they usually it's a uh, it was puberty or whatever it sets right. off their ah, mutation, very good, very so it good. doesn't come to later in life until they've okay. had this experience, you know. Okay, so th- that was kind of interesting. The <laughs> mild cannibalism
2: is is jarring because it it always feels like it's not followed through upon every time he goes to eat someone. Yeah, because he's he's just taking a bite here. Yeah. right there Like, gee,
1: before this, come on. I will say, though, when he does the crawling on the wall, there's never, like, a practical purpose for him to be crawling on the wall. No, he's just doing it. It's always him. just like, I can crawl on the wall. (laughs) Like, look at me. (laughs) It's cool and all, and it's creepy when it happens, but uh, there's no reason for you to do it. When he's crawling the walls and sounding like Matt Foley from Saturday Night Live. (laughs) We're
3: pure down by the river. (laughs) They're all asleep or awake down by the (laughs) river. Well, I'm here to tell you that you're
0: probably going to find out as you go out there that you're not going to amount to Jack Squad.
3: I have to say this. This is. I have to use my catchphrase here. Here it comes. Get it, Betty Buckley. <laughs> get it, get it, and get out. I don't know why you're fucking around in there. A woman is dead. Don't talk to him. Yeah. Get it, and get
1: out of there. Yeah, you're never going to save these people if you don't yeah. leave.
3: yeah. You're an old lady. What do you think you're going to (laughs) do? There's an open door to your left, turn to the left, walk out the door, call the police. He murdered someone. Right. I mean, what the fuck?
2: I mean, I don't think she understood how bad it was, but also at the same time, he had 23 personalities that she knew of. So like, why even be alone with him? Bring an armed escort. I don't know. Don't (laughs) Don't you know another big, strong guy that has one personality that you could take with you to the zoo? Someone
0: told me it's all happening. So, I
1: do believe it. I do believe that's true. I think I I really enjoy her her storyline, the underlying thing about her previous abuse cuz I think it kind of it turns like the horror movie convention of like the helpless girl who's, like, running... You know, there's always the one who survives every time. And yes. It's, but it's, okay. like, it's never like they've gone through a terrible situation before this. This is, like, okay. the first... So, we're, like... It, it was interesting to see, her. like, oh, she seems to know what she's doing because she's dealt with monsters before in her okay. life.
2: And it's not like she's a badass right. Femme Fatale. She's... Just a survivor.
1: Yeah, it's so this sh- idea that those who are abused are sort of stronger because of it. And up.
3: Kevin recognizes it, so when he right. it adds a different level to it. I appreciate that, right? Which
1: to me, like, it kind of makes sense in the third movie when she's kind of like thinking about him and wanting to go back because, like, I think she, there is a kinship. Your heart is pure. Rejoice. The last thing
3: I wanted to say about Split was that it felt really minor with respect to the budget. There wasn't a, a lot of grandeur that went along with it. It felt like a, a small movie. And that's not really a criticism so much as the fact that he took his sh- small budget and did a lot with it, but it didn't feel like it went along with Unbreakable in terms of the scope and the bigness of this superhero trilogy. Yeah, You know? It really felt like a different movie, a supernatural movie that he just tacked on as part of this story
1: at the end. Yeah,
3: so. But then, because it did so well financially, it led us to Glass. I understand that the three of you think you are superhuman.
0: That you don't think you are normal. You've convinced yourselves you have extraordinary gifts, like something out of a comic book. I am here to discuss the possibility that you are mistaken.
3: I like how in the beginning of Glass, the son is now his tech guy on the radio, and the first villain that he takes down is doing a superman punch on people did you you get that superman punch playing the fucking knockout
1: game god just knocks out rick moranis right at the beginning Oh yeah, exactly (laughs) the script seems so
2: self-referential in the whole i'm gonna go salt bay on your ass that means nothing what Uh, does that that mean it means fucking nothing and then bruce willis is like what does that mean he's like it's a stupid internet thing it's like (laughs) but why did you put
1: it in your fucking script right and it doesn't even make sense in context, because no. he Bae is this, <laughs> right? <I> mean, like, <laughs> which, is,
2: which you can't see, listener, is that Scott is arching his arm to show what Salt bay does with the salt. He sprinkles it on in an interesting way. So he like... means he's
1: just going to attack him with a, a pinch of salt? That's Salt bay. He's the most
3: important chef in the world.
1: They've decided to go with Bruce Willis with a full white beard. He looks yeah. like
2: George Carlin's last stand-up set, set And <laughs> like he's
1: clearly like a little looking a little weak. He looks yeah. like the Gordon's fisherman. Just a
3: Gordon's fisherman. And the cheerleaders feel very like jokey. Like, they're all dressed the same way. Their same arm is handcuffed in the well, same place. Well, they typically place.
1: wear the same uniform. They're cheerleaders. I,
3: I know that's good. <laughs> <laughs> But I, 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 I just, the visual. That
2: scene is so silly because the the logic or the lack thereof, when David rescues them and they all gather around him, you see the beast coming. None of them run until he's like, Leave! the one is still here? And then they run at the beast.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: And then he throws a, ch- a fucking table at the one and knocks her out cold. And then they got to pick her up and just run the other way. And they're like, we're sorry about our friend. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I threw a
3: table, caught the table, threw, threw the, the table, table back. back. Okay. Yeah, I know. Table.
1: Wake up.
0: Grab right put on a little table. I just got to fade away this table. Why'd you leave the kids up on the table?
3: Here you go, create another table! So then at this point in glass, we get where it starts to really become a piece of shit. Sarah Paulson shows up. Don't you care about the cheerleaders? If you knew that they were up there, why didn't you save the cheerleaders? Why is no one reacting to the fact that you just saw these two people tumble out of a fucking building? They obviously do have powers. A 65-year-old man gets up, dusts himself off, and is ready to keep fighting. They fell from a
2: building!
1: They went to such great lengths, I thought, in the first one, and in splits, to kind of explain how this could happen. And I feel like they took the time to really explain that and try to ground it in reality. And then this is just like, I'm an expert in superheroes. Yeah. So like Scott, she goes so
3: far as to say, it's the center of my work. She's talking magician tricks and, I hate and, it. and rock climbing. What are yeah. you talking about? Like, and like no, <laughs> but like
1: but like a really good magician, the best <laughs> magician. Like, what the fuck are you She's saying? She's like, you know, like, people
3: rock climbers can just climb up b- the sides of buildings yeah. without no, no, they can't just do that. Yeah. He, he was upside down, you yeah. idiot. He wasn't just rock climbing. So I'm
1: like, and what about bending the, the iron bars? He did that, right? Like, well, you know, I did it too with a wrench. With yeah. a wrench. With a wrench? <laughs> what are you talking about? She's like, oh, I would like you to allow us to give you an MRI, Bruce Willis, because you were in that train accident and it could have caused some damage to your frontal lobe. You don't think they check for that after the train accident? (laughs) Like, they literally tell him, you don't have a scratch on you, and you're completely fine. Like, I'm sure they did an MRI on him. Like, let's make sure nothing's broken. He's not, like, hemorrhaging in his brain. Like, you were in a horrific train accident. Of course we're going to check that. And out of nowhere, we're making uh, fucking Mr. Glasses, like, he's this intellectual genius. and like... Yeah, I get that he was smart in the first movie, but not to this level of, like, I've planned the next six moves. That's what doesn't
3: make any sense. Mr. Glass doesn't have a superpower. Every single mastermind from... Real other comics have another overriding power. No, he's more
1: like a um Alex Luther, I would say, right? Okay, somebody who doesn't really have powers Powers. but has ambition.
3: And meanwhile, all we want through the whole movie, we're like, This is called Glass. Can Samuel L. Jackson start talking again? Because he's the actor we care the most about. When he starts talking, we're like, Awesome, but then he starts pontificating again about in comic books he's like oh they're in the comic books there's people that are half beasts it's like will you shut up already yeah just we we're there we already.
1: understand the beast man <laughs> concept already we've got it yeah
3: miss patricia said that your bones can break if i like tap them is that true yes and <sighs> uh, so what's your superpower
1: your your mind oh also osaka tower is described as a true marvel
3: I have it written down right here. Get out of here. Yeah, it's a, tr- a true marvel. So, all right, mm. I appreciate that. If the movie was worth a shit, that would be a clever little, yeah, you know, fuck you. But it, since yeah. it's not worth a shit, it just makes you seem pathetic since every Marvel movie is better than this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, F you. There's one of the characters, I think he's like a Southern character, one of the personalities that uh, uh, Kevin right. has. yeah. And he's talking, he was like, he's like, yeah, people say I talk a lot and I spoil movie endings, you know, like, but everybody knows, and then I forget what the example he gives, it gives away some ending to something. And I was really thought he was going to give away the ending to The Sixth Sense. <laughs> I'm like, that would have been a, a cute, like, in-reference to yourself. Yeah, yeah. Like, But everyone knows Bruce Willis is dead since the beginning, like, and then just... To the <laughs> next thing. What's something we've all okay, seen? Six feet under. We can all talk about that. Michael me. C. Hall in the van. Spoiler alert. In the now I bi- don't even have to watch Kim it. Now I don't even father
3: is actually Darth
1: He's Vader. She's, She's the dead. sister and the She's daughter. What? They just kill off Dumbledore. The character
2: will die eventually, like Christopher on The Sopranos. Ah! Dead? That's not a spoiler. I've
1: <laughs> only the first episode. Did you see Sixth Sense? Shut ah! nothing, nothing, nothing past season two.
2: Nothing
3: past season five. Nothing past season eight. Is that before or after Corey marries Topanga?
1: Yeah, and why do all their sidekicks just show up? together at the same time at the end were you called to
3: come
2: here it's weird with the exception of casey they've had 19 years to fully understand comic books why (laughs) is he in a (laughs) fucking comic (laughs) shop why is his mother trying to understand comic books why is she presenting information about Action Comics number one to them as I, really. if this is a new concept? She it's a limited
1: edition. Yeah. Can you yeah. shut up? I think I remember something Because <laughs> She's always putting on a voice to make herself sound older, too, and <laughs> it just really? sounds ridiculous. <laughs> like. Why are
2: you palling around with this old woman who birthed a psychopath?
1: Yeah. yeah. I know what this is. This is the
0: moment we are letting on the universe.
3: We finally get to the part of the end that we want to see the big showdown, the big fight. And when they're fighting, I'm like, this is fucking awesome. Finally, we get to it. Yeah. And there's just more fucking exposition, more talking, and it's like just, just
1: too much shit happening at once st- during this fight. Fight for God's sake! It's like it's like the end of episode one, where they're doing having that sweet lightsaber battle, and they keep cutting in with this stupid fucking space battle with yes. Anakin. Like, whoa, this is a fun trick. I- we exactly like, just right. Show me the fucking fight. I want to watch. I hate, watch. <laughs> I hate that's so that's exactly
3: much. right, Scott. <laughs> and
1: then these fucking visions of them showing like this secret society that apparently only meets in restaurants together.
2: <laughs> fancy, <laughs> fancy restaurant. Where they all sit around
1: and wait until everyone who's not in the society leaves, and then we can talk. Why didn't you just rent out the restaurant? Thank God they finally left. We've been here for three days waiting for us just to be us in this so, room. And then even the bartender is like, turns and I'm like, the bartender's in on it too? It should be great in the middle of one of those meetings. Like, like, all right, good. Now we can start talking. So anyway, we found out about these superheroes, and then two people just walk in. Table for two. Like, fuck.
0: We'll
3: meet you anytime you want in our Italian restaurant. And we figure out that, like, Elijah knew about this the entire time. Why didn't he mention it? Yeah. All he does through the other movies is talk about all of his opinions about comics. Why would he save this piece of information t- as a secret to right. the end? right. You know, why not say, and in comic books, there's always some evil group that's been around for a thousand years trying to suppress superheroes.
1: <laughs> yeah. They found us. And then this, this fucking ending like of, like, oh, it's Mr. Glass holding the mirror up to society or, oh, like, trying to show off this fucking thing. And, like, what did they achieve at the end? They're like, oh, yay, we got, took down the secret organization we all just learned about 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Like, what is the achievement? We, we're we still, our head is still, my head's still fucking spinning from finding out this nonsense that you just threw at me at the end. That, oh, there's always been this secret organization. Yeah, and, and, and Mr. Been...
3: Glass is like, I have a purpose in life. It's like, you've established you established that two movies ago. Right. You ha- always had a purpose. Yeah. How is this a greater purpose? What- I don't know. It just, it, it seems like a... I can expose viral videos to the world. Again, he takes... You know takes... better than a fucking... Than...
1: Yeah. He smashed that like button. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> if I get 10,000
1: views, it means I'm
2: validated as a man.
1: <laughs> Click the little bell to make sure you get all my new videos.
0: I hope that's been informative for you. Maybe you found out something you didn't know. My life's an open fucking book.
2: The emotional stakes of watching your own dad be killed by some jerk-offs in a suit. The pinch doesn't match the ouch because the pinch was huge. The ouch should have been the same. Instead, oh, I got some videos. I'm going to put them on the internet. Yeah, yeah, man, like, like, that's not, we
1: did it. We took them down. Like, like took no one down. I would nothing. at least hope that yep. it's,
2: you know, he lifts you the weights. You pressed Upload.
1: You know, just right.
2: Give us something. Give us Joe putting the paint cans on and lifting it up at the end. or Something, anything.
3: Yeah. He's too smart. That's why he's the mastermind. He'll never tell you his real plan. He sets everybody up, gets them looking in one direction. So cool, man. There's always a real plan. All right, gentlemen. We have poured over these films. Yes. All right. And I think it'll be very easy. I, I sense we're all going to agree on the success and order of these films. You want to say it all at the same time?
2: One, one two, two, three. three. Yeah. All right. Yep.
3: So, yeah, we're all going to say that this is one, two, three. And I have to assume we're all going to say unsuccessful, right?
1: The third movie just had so much potential and they blew it. So, yeah, I, 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 I guess I would say unsuccessful, unsuccessful, but doesn't work as a trilogy. As yeah. much right. as I absolutely. Works better as two separate movies. This yeah. is true.
2: As much as I absolutely hate the third movie, I'm going to have make a controversial decision because what I'm taking into consideration is artist's intent. He clearly intended to stick it up our ass and out of our mouths. So, rather than put it, give us the MCU, he set his his creation on fire. Yeah. So, I'm going to say it's a successful trilogy oh, by M. Night Shyamalan's turns. Oh. turns. Right,
1: but it's, doesn't it seem like he didn't want to make this third he movie? Didn't, right. and I but, don't know but why he did.
2: He, I don't know why he bribed Disney and Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson and all these right. people into coming back to make this movie unless his intent was to set it all on fire. And I think we, all, yeah.
3: we always, as I always have to remind you guys and Scott, is that we have to judge on whether we enjoyed all three
1: of these oh yeah okay. i didn't enjoy yeah. the third i didn't one.
3: enjoy the third movie no. it didn't work for me
1: see cuz i always see the in ter- good in it, like where i'm like there were I sections know. that i feel like this movie could have but worked in terms if they just of like, changed in a little bit of the of plot it's of the
3: construct though if you look at the entire thing it's a good movie a good movie and one that i didn't enjoy i can't Call it successful. Yeah. yeah.
1: Especially right. with this one because the third movie does tie it in and truly make it a trilogy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I got to say, have unsuccessful. Been so, all right. frustrating.
3: Guys, thank you so much for listening. This has been the Trilogy Podcast. I am Vin.
1: And I'm Scott.
3: And, and I'm Phil joi- right now. Joining us. Uh, not getting hit in the eye with a boomerang. No, none of that shit. Not being attacked by various does it, does creatures. Does the plastic surgery look okay? You it, look it, a lot it, better, it, it Phil. Nicely. All right? Uh, yeah. As always, ladies and gentlemen, you can find us on Instagram. I put up at least one post every day that really tries to mimic what we talk about during this podcast. It's at Trilogy Podcast. We are climbing. We're close to 10,000 fucking people that are watching our shits and we're loving it.
1: Scott? And I uh, run the Twitter. Check us out there. It's also at Trilogy Podcast. Uh, We do uh, some fun polls about the movies. We ask what your favorite was. We ask a bunch of stupid, silly questions. So get involved and let your opinion be heard on this nonsense. right. and as
3: we go out, I'd like to hear Phil pretend to be a bunch of different people while I chuck different things at him. Go. Alright. Hello, my name is Reginald and I'm very hungry all the time. Ow! (laughs) What is that? (laughs) Right. Uh, hey, I'm Fred,
2: I drive the truck Ew uh, Hey, come in my truck, kid <laughs> Pretend
3: to be a wrestler Hey, I'm gonna kick your ass this Friday At the Pontiac Silverdome oh, In God.
2: Washington, <laughs>
3: Kentucky And then, you know, I'm gonna twist your arms Thanks for listening, folks Have a great day yeah. right, bye, guys. I don't know about
1: you, but uh, I gotta get some chicken in me <laughs> <laughs>